Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is The Journey by Pastor Sean Wood. All right, let's pray. We're going to come around God's Word. Father, you are a good, good Father, and this morning we thank you for your church. Jesus, you said, I will build my church. We thank you that you, are, that you use us to do that. Your methodology is people. We can't understand it, but it's glorious, and we thank you, Lord, that you choose to use each one of us as you are building a glorious new temple, one that doesn't have a physical location. Lord, this morning as we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning, I would like to invite everybody here on a journey, but also to highlight that we're here to invite many other people on a journey. More about that in a moment. Uh, today is Partnership Sunday. What does that mean? And what uh, does it mean for us as a church? Well, Partnership Sunday, uh, Paul, uh, in a number of places, uses the word partnership, but particularly when he's talking to the Philippians. Uh, There's a particular verse in chapter 3 of Philippians where he says, nobody has entered into partnership with me, uh, and and partnership is like a business agreement. It's like we have the same goal, uh, and we are in partnership for the same goal. He says, nobody's entered into partnership except for you. Now, that was a reference to physical resources, but Partnership Sunday is when we say, you know what, Uh, we ask you to, to perhaps participate in the vision that we have here that God has before us. And uh, for those that have been on holidays for the last few weeks, yeah, up in the back row, uh, that's why we need security, because uh, the, back, the back row gets a little bit out of hand every now and again. But for those that have been on holidays, the last three or four weeks we've been unpacking, what do we see as our vision here as a church and, and what is the destination? Uh, interesting, if you've had children at any point in time, uh, a child not only wants to know where they're going when they're in the car, but they want to know what the journey's going to look like. So this morning, uh, I, I would like to help everybody here to see more clearly what does the journey look like. But first, a bit of a recap about the destination. What do we see as our vision or the destination for us as a church? If you've if you've missed the last few weeks, maybe you want to go and listen to all the messages in September uh, about the vision. But just a quick recap. We began in the start of September. I, I see a church where Jesus is preeminent. Uh, Paul writes to the Colossians. That's where we find the word preeminent. You won't find it anywhere else in the New Testament except for in the book of Colossians. Paul writes to the church of Colossae and he is imploring them to make Christ preeminent. He, he unpacks that there's a lot of problems. There's doctrinal drift. Uh, they've allowed some really spooky philosophies to enter into the congregation. Uh, people are living in the flesh and struggling in their walk with Christ. And, and Paul says, before we get to any of that, let's get to the one underlying problem. The problem is you've allowed Jesus off the throne. If you put Jesus back in his rightful place, everything on the outside tends to take care of itself. And so I see a community and a family of believers where Jesus is number one. And and then the week after that, we unpack the father's heart in the prodigal son. And we see here that the father's heart are for people that are lost. And you can sit on church pews all your life and be lost. That's what we learned about the older brother. The older brother, because it's really the parable of a father and his two lost sons. The older brother says, I have been faithfully serving you. I've been here the whole time. Which highlights you can be around God and not in relationship. And so we want to call people home. 
But home is not a place, it's a person into a deeper relationship with God. And so Jesus came to rec- Jesus didn't come to pass out free tickets to heaven. That is a glorious, absolute glorious hope that we all have. Jesus came to reconcile us to the Father. Uh, and that's beautifully highlighted. The week after that, we had a look at a, a place called Ephesus. And I love Ephesus because uh, what happened in Ephesus was Paul in his missionary journeys plants a church in Ephesus. And we had a look at two aspects in Ephesus, first the city, then the church. And, and in Ephesus, Paul stumbles in there after, on his uh, third missionary journey, his last one, after he'd planted the church. And he stumbles across 12 believers that would only been baptised into the baptism of John the Baptist. Those 12 men received the Holy Spirit, it says. And from there, the believers turned Ephesus upside down transformational change and so I get excited because I see a church that causes a divine disturbance in Brisbane I want to be known as a church that causes a divine disturbance. Uh, Paul, uh, Luke, the, the writer uh, who's writing Acts, says there was no small disturbance about the way. That's what they called Christianity in the first church. It was the way. And he says there was no small disturbance. They turned Ephesus upside down. Idol makers went bankrupt. And we still have idols today that surround us. And uh, Jesus came to confront our idols. And so I, I, I see a community and a family of believers filled with the Holy Spirit that can turn this city upside down for Jesus. We need the power of God back in the church. We need to be, we need to be careful uh, how we sometimes can box the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. The Holy Spirit is sometimes always moving, but perhaps not in the ways we expect. And we see this in Scripture. Uh, a wonderful example of that is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. It says that the earth was without form and it was void. It says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. And that word hovering is the exact word in the Hebrew, like a mother bird that is hovering over her chicks. You see, the Holy Spirit, what we don't read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, at that point in time, nobody was praying in tongues or being healed, but the Holy Spirit was moving. Same Holy Spirit in the New Testament? Absolutely. Should we, uh, should we pray for and expect the gift of tongues and for the Holy Spirit to move in power? Absolutely. But sometimes we need to just remove the box and say, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're always moving and transformationally uh, in our lives. And then, of course, we had a look at Ephesus, the church. And uh, after some After some 10 years, Paul writes the epistle to the Ephesians, wonderful epistle. In fact, most scholars say that uh, Ephesians is one long prayer. It's beautiful. The language that Paul uses and some of the the words that he uses, wonderful uh, hope. But just four or five years after that epistle, he sends Timothy to a very troubled church in Ephesus. And what had begun to creep in in Ephesus is there was massive doctrinal drift. The elders had decided they're going to take over the church. Uh, Some of the elders were unconverted, thought they were in control. We had passive men. We seemed to have aggressive women, which is why Paul writes some of the stuff. And amidst all the turmoil that Timothy walks into, Paul gives him one thing. He says, just walk into Ephesus and preach the word of God. 
Don't get, don't get lost in vain arguments and disputes. Don't go rambling on about genealogies. Don't give any oxygen to that. Just preach the word of God. And uh, the story of Ephesus, we read again about Ephesus in Revelations, where uh, there it says, return to your first love. But Ephesus would be a powerful church for some 200 years after that time. Uh, thanks be to God. And so I... Uh, our, our call here is just to preach and to live the Word of God. And then last week, uh, we highlighted how Jesus is the bread of life and how uh, we live amongst a very, very hungry culture. What we see on the outside is symptoms of an inward hangriness. If you've had a teenager that's ever missed breakfast, then you know what hangry looks like. Uh, what we see on the outside is, a, is only symptomatic of what is going on on the inside. And today we see alternative lifestyles and political agendas, and we see all sorts of different worship and idolatry and all these sorts of things, but they are outward manifestations of an inward hunger that only Jesus can satisfy. And we had a look at the feeding of the 5,000 and what we found is that Jesus is not only enough, he's more than enough. And he will always be more than enough. And it says that they ate as much as they wanted. Today, you can have as much of Jesus as you want. That might sound like good news, but here's the question. How much do you want Jesus? You see... When it comes to the Holy Spirit, when it comes to God, there's not a supply problem. Sometimes there's a demand problem. The good news this morning is you can have as much of Jesus as you want today. You can be as close to God as you want. And I see a church so in love with Jesus, so satisfied and content with Jesus, that we emit an aroma that makes our community hungry. Uh, and I gave the analogy of when I was riding in the morning and uh, I'd come up behind a supermarket that had been cooking barbecue chickens. Now, I can give or take barbecue chickens, but that particular morning I was hungry and I couldn't get barbecue chickens off my mind. Before I smelt that aroma, I wasn't hungry. And I pray that we would be a church that would admit an aroma. So uh, having a look at that destination, the question today is, how do we get there? What does, that look, what does that journey look like? Uh, I, I am fascinated. I love watching documentaries about mountaineering. good thing about mountaineering is you can watch everybody else go and do it, right? Uh, but uh, but uh, I'm fascinated, the guys that climb uh, peaks. But if you have a, have a look at these documentaries, before these guys even leave, they've got the destination in mind. They know where they're going or they know where they want to go. They know what the goal is. But then there's a journey, right? Nobody wakes up one morning and says, by the end of today, I'm going to get to the top of Mount Everest. Nobody ever done that. Jesus could probably do it, but nobody's ever done that. Why? Because there's a journey that's involved. There's, there's not only one camp, there's, there's a series of camps as you go up the mountain, all working towards the one destination, but there's a journey. And as I journeyed my way through the Gospels, I found that Jesus was ever inviting people on a journey, and he was ever moving them forward in that journey. And so today I have four steps that I'd like to work through that here as a church. What does it look like for us? Here's some of the questions. Maybe you've never walked in the doors here and you think, how can I get on this journey? Well, we want to help you answer that question today, but also answer the question, how are we intentionally trying to help people here as a church 
on their journey with Christ. And uh, for those that have been a Christian or loved the Lord for any length of time, you'll realise that Christianity is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah. You actually begin a journey that won't end until we're in glory. And I'm not sure that it'll end when, in eternity, that we'll ever be learning about God and growing closer to him. I'm sure that will be the case. But today, I want to use, as we work our way through each one of these steps, I, I want to take you through the journey of one person and we will use other examples as we work our way through. Can we see this in the life of one person? Can we see a journey? And what did that look like for that one person? And also, do we see it in the lives of others? Well, I'm glad you asked all those really good questions this morning. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to have a look at John chapter 4. I love John chapter 4. Number of reasons. By the way, we'll get there at the end, but I, I, I'm the kind of preacher that likes to give you the end before we get there. So, uh, But before we get there, we are about to be introduced to the first New Testament evangelist. Jesus valued women. That's a side issue. But not only was she a woman, she was a Samaritan. This woman not only had no pre-qualifications, in the eyes of the Jews and the culture of the day, she had many disqualifications. I love how Jesus overlooks those as he takes us on this wonderful journey. And so we're going to have a look as we work our way through. Uh, where do we see engagement and what did that mean? Uh, what do we mean by enlightenment and how does that move us in our journey? And enlargement and empowerment. Let's, let's begin. John chapter 4, uh, verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptising more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptise but only his disciples. Interesting comment. Uh, you had to have authority to baptise in the First Testament. Before Christ, the Pharisees, you had to have an authority. They wanted to know, what kind of authority does this guy have to go? Well, he wasn't even doing it. It says, verse 3, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And it says, and he had to pass through Samaria. Well, uh, yes, he did, because there's a divine appointment about to come up. He did, but he didn't. And many of the Jews would take the long way around because they didn't like going through Samaria. But why? What was the problem? Uh, well, Samaritans and Jews, uh, in the eyes of the Jews, Samaritans were, and I'm not going to give it up, friends, Samaritans were Collingwood supporters. <laughs> Just going to let that rest. But in the eyes of the Jews, the Samaritans were a were, were kind of like, they were interbred, they were half-breeds, they, they, but not only that, they were unclean people. They wouldn't talk to a Samaritan, they wouldn't associate with a Samaritan, they wouldn't go through Samaria, and their differences were actually not racial. They were theological. Because the Samaritans, wrongly, only held to the first five books of the Bible. And you'll see this unpacked with this lady if you go home and read the story for yourself later on. You'll see that she's got enormous theological discrepancies. But Jesus still meets her right where she's at. Yeah. 
And, and, and when nobody else would speak to this woman, have a look where we meet this woman. I love how Jesus does this. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And I'm going to stop there for a moment. But, but a, a woman from Samaria, a woman from the town comes to draw water, but she's there in the middle of the day. You see, nobody went to the well in the middle of the day. It's too hot. All of them would go collectively together in the morning or maybe in the evening to collect water. They never went alone. Jesus finds this woman alone. Jesus finds her in the middle of the day. And all of a sudden we know that this woman is in the margins, right? She lives in a village where nobody wants anything else to do with her. She can't go to the wells like everybody else. She can't go there when everybody else does because there's something about this woman. She has some kind of a reputation. But I love Jesus enough to know that he can't leave her where she is. She's about to go on a glorious journey. And it all begins with one conversation. Jesus says, give me a drink. Jesus could have said nothing. In fact, he should have said nothing. It was against the culture. It was enormously taboo to talk to a woman in the first century without her husband present, if you were not her husband or if you were not somebody who was courting her. It was uncustomary, it was taboo. So not only could Jesus have ignored her, he should have, but instead he engages her. And here at The Rock, uh, first step is, I want to be a church that engages people. First step of the journey is, let's engage people from all walks of life. This is what I love about Jesus. Uh, Same as Jesus here. If you're asking, how do I get engaged? How do do I connect with this church and with Jesus? You don't have to bring any pre-qualifications. You don't have to clean up your life. Jesus didn't tell her to go and clean up her life. He begins a conversation and he builds a connection. Uh, An engagement is the place. I love how Rick Warren phrases this. Uh, I don't think you could find any better reference to this. Uh, Rick Warren says, I only desire to build a bridge between me and another person that Jesus can walk across. Jesus builds a connection here that the Holy Spirit walks upon. This woman is about to go on a massive journey, uh, a journey that will be transformational for her. But, But is this only time that this happens? Is this just a freak thing that happens? Jesus was always trying to connect and trying to engage with people. It doesn't matter where they were from. We find Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors in the first century, nobody wanted anything to do with them. Nobody would associate with them. They were the lowest of low in the first century. But Jesus would eat with them. Jesus, would, Jesus walked up to a tax booth to a man by the name of Matthew and says, follow me. Isn't that all of our story? 
Wasn't there a moment in our own lives when we heard the call of Christ on our own hearts? And if you haven't heard that call, then we want to intentionally be used of God to make that call to people, to engage and to connect and to begin your journey with Christ. And so logistically speaking, uh, and we want to develop this as we go along. We're going we're gonna to highlight this journey on the wall. We want everybody to know that if you come to The Rock, we don't want you to sit static. We don't want you just to turn up every Sunday. We, we want you to come on a journey, a transformational journey with the Son of God. And it begins with, and we're already doing this and we want to do it better and we want to increase it. What are some of the ways now that we're looking to engage and connect with people? Uh, things like our men's breakfast. At our men's breakfast, we have men who come to our men's breakfast that have never walked through the doors of this church yet. Well, they have when they've come in here for the testimony and they will when they have breakfast. But at the moment, and we've seen some come to Christ through the men's breakfasts. Same with the ladies' events, the monthly events. We have ladies that come to our monthly events that don't like me, Liz. No, I'm only joking. (laughs) But they, they come to our monthly events all the time and they fellowship and they build connections and there will come a point, we trust and we pray, when Jesus will walk across that bridge and impact their heart. We can't save anybody. But God uses us to engage and to build connection. And we're doing it through our men's breakfast. We're doing it through our ladies' events. Uh, We live in a time today when the greatest means of building a connection and engaging with people is in the digital space. Moving forward, we're already, Lisa helps us with our, uh, with our Facebook and our social media, but every part of our digital space, we want to move intentionally from just providing content to how can we build a connection? How can we connect with people that are watching on Facebook? We don't just want a pretty verse all the time. We don't just want uh, photos, but we want to be able to build a connection. Uh, if they come onto our website, how can we connect with them? If they listen to our YouTube sermons, how how can we connect with them? Collingwood supporters are probably disconnecting right now. Jesus came for them as well. Jesus came for them as well. If you're a Collingwood here, if you're a Collingwood supporter here this morning, we will iron out your theology before too long. But not a, there's just a couple of examples. We want to train people. I see a church where we don't send missionaries all the time overseas, but we grab the revelation that every single one of us is a missionary, that God has called to reach the community and to build connections and to build bridges that Jesus can walk across. And so you may never have been to this church, and if you haven't, then, then we, and you've never, maybe you're at two or three of these steps already, maybe you come in at a different step, but if you've never connected to Christ, I pray that God would use us to begin that journey. Jesus was ever doing this. He, he, he walks up to a tax collector and says, follow me. He walks up to two fishermen. By the way, how many of the disciples are fishermen? Exactly. Everybody should take up fishing. That's biblical. It's, it's, it's in the Bible. Everybody, if you, uh, the most holiest people are the fishing people, right? Uh, uh, I need to make a recommendation for the board. We need a back door. Um, 
Yes, that's not, that's not a back door, that's a side entrance. <laughs> uh, but we, that might be close enough, thank you. But, yeah, we want to build connections with people as we move forward, and we want to increase how we do that. Jesus uh, asked two fishermen to follow him, and look at how the transformational journey that they go on. Uh, when Jesus said, follow me to his disciples, did they know everything instantaneously all at once? No. Well, it's a process of growing in our knowledge of Christ. And our heart here at Partnership Sunday is to ask everybody else to jump on board and help us help people with their journey with Christ. Let's keep moving on to enlightenment. This is, I think enlightenment is probably one of the most important stages. Uh, what do I mean by that? A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Verse 8, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy Food. His disciples, always practical, always talking about food and bread, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you would do ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? How come you're asking me for a drink? You shouldn't even be talking to me. You, you Jews don't like us. Same way, by the way, Samaritans didn't like the Jews either, by the way. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, I love this verse. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, one, And I'm not going to go too deep into that verse, but the gift of God is the Holy Spirit. If you knew the gift of God, because we're talking about living water here as time progresses, and here's the big one, who it is that speaks to you. Here's Here's what Jesus is telling her. If you knew the gift that I have and who I am, you would ask of me and I'd give you water that you would never thirst again. And so... As people move on their journey, one of the most important stages in their journey is enlightenment, where we help. This is where we as a church want to help every single person answer the question of who is Jesus? Jesus asks his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, who does everybody say that I am? And some very interesting answers. But then he says to his disciples, but, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the son of God. We want to help everybody answer the question, the same as Peter answered the question, where we see Jesus for who he really is. Now, this is a lifetime journey. It's not just a one-time event, but it begins, and the more that we see who Jesus is, the greater impact and transformation he has on our heart. We want to move people through enlightenment. Do we see this anywhere else? Do we see moments where this occurs in Scripture? I reference the two fishermen. Jesus walks up to two fishermen on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He says, come follow me. And then he tells them to put their boat out in the water. And after the engagement, after the connection, he puts the boat out in the water and he says, cast your nets on the right hand side. Now, they say, we've been fishing. This is like going fishing with my boys. They say, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. And now it's like coming fishing with me. Then they haul in the nets Till they're almost breaking. And all of the disciples are busy pulling in the fish, but Peter turns to Jesus and says, Away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. He saw who Jesus was. There was a moment when Philip comes up to a man by the name of Nathaniel and says, We have found the Messiah, the one that the scriptures talk about, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel, who is actually Bartholomew in the disciples' list, Nathaniel says, Can anything good? come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come from the north side? 
Philip says, well, come and see, engagement and connection. And as Nathanael is approaching Christ, Jesus says, here is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael says, how do you know me? And he says, well, you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And immediately Nathanael says, Rabbi, you are the son of the living God. He saw who Jesus was and it transformed his life. How are we helping people on that journey? We want to increasingly help people on that journey to see Christ. But here's one really practical way we've began recently. A great tool in our hand to help people see more of who Jesus is, is Alpha. Alpha has increasingly become a great tool in our hands where we make room where we can have discussions about faith, yes, uh, and people who have just given their heart to Christ, uh, they find Alpha enormously beneficial. And for those that are, are inquiring and investigating and maybe they're still at the engagement and connection level, they find a great deal of value in Alpha because we answer these questions. Who is Jesus? How can I believe in Jesus? Is the Bible trustworthy? Why should I pray? All those sorts of questions. We help people answer the big questions of life and see who Jesus is. Another important way is actually testimonies. The testimonies we hear in the ladies' events, the testimonies we hear in the men's events. Uh, we want to increase testimonies here on a Sunday morning of people telling their story about their journey where they got connected with Christ. And what happens is we see Jesus in other people. So we want to engage, we want to connect, we want, we, we want to be used to enlighten and then we want to be used to enlarge. And, and our heart here is that throughout your journey you will grow in Christ. That happens differently for all of us and, and we want to make room for the Holy Spirit and we have been and will continue to do so. We want to make room for the Holy Spirit to do his work. Let's have a look at how that works for this woman from the world. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Jesus has got her curiosity and her interest. Because he's talking about living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Yep. Uh, He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I, am, that I may not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now have a look at what Jesus does in the life of this woman. Anybody ever notice that when God grows us, that process can sometimes be uncomfortable? I'll take it from the couple of chuckles that two or three of you know what I'm talking about. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. We're about to find out why she's coming to the well on her own. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband, and what you have said is true. You see, the Holy Spirit is doing his work. I firmly believe this woman went away with living water. Here, we intentionally want to make room for people to grow 
and for the Holy Spirit to do his work. I can't make anybody grow. We have a responsibility to feed people here and, and, and to feed people the word of God. And, and, and I trust and I pray that everybody on their journey will come to a point where they say, I see Jesus more and more for who he is and I want to go deeper with Jesus. I want to get closer to Christ. I want to walk and go deeper with him. And I pray that everybody would go through that time. And can I tell you, it's going to be a rough ride. Uh, I am not here today to sell you a gospel of a bed of roses, but God has a way of stretching us. And and, uh, when I go to the gym and everybody says, yes, it's obvious you go to the gym uh, because you're looking so buff. But what are we doing when we go to the gym? Uh, What we're actually doing is, well, what we should be doing is we should be actually completely and utterly decimating our muscles. What you're actually doing is you're using resistance. Anybody ever felt like God's been using a little... Anyway, we'll get back to that. But but we're using resistance, whether it's weights or whatever it is, we're using resistance to stretch our muscles to the point where they stretch and contract. But over time, they increase their capacity. I pray that the Holy Spirit would do that here. Sometimes it's tough. It's tough for this woman because she's got to confront some internal stuff. We all have to. And sometimes we, sometimes we spend a lot of time in one area. Sometimes we go around the clock and come back and, and, and we see more of Christ and we grow more. But, but how are we intentionally, if, if you're sitting here today saying, I want to go deeper with Christ, how can I do that? Then I would encourage you to hook into our life groups. Do you know that we have a life group leader that's been to the College of Aladala? <laughs> Not every church has got that. They don't, that's true. But we, we can boast we've got the professor of Aladala. <clears throat> but we have some wonderful life group leaders, uh, Ross and Sue and Mark and Jeanette and, and Lynn and Terry. We run a men's night on Monday nights just for men. Why? Because we want to make space for the Holy Spirit to remove what Timothy confronted at Ephesus. We don't want passive men. We want men who stand up in the place that God has for them and to move forward. And, and, and same with our ladies' ministry. Uh, our ladies meet on Monday mornings as well as once a month, intentionally sowing into women that you can grow, that God would enlarge you. Uh, get into small groups. They are the place to live accountable Christianity. Our worship team meet once a month uh, to, to, to talk about worship, but also as a life group to, to grow. So I'd encourage everybody, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to go deeper. I want God to grow me. How can I do that? Well, one way is through life groups. Another way is we are very intentional on a Sunday morning. And our intentionality on a Sunday morning is both with worship as well as with the word, that this is a place where you will see more of Christ in worship. If there is one thing that the Bible teaches us that we need and we long for, it's the presence of God. And so our prayer and our heart here is to make room for the presence of God. And and our commitment is that if you come to the rock, you will be fed the word of God. That's how people grow. You can't, uh, and this is a this is a message from my boys this morning. You can't live on McDonald's <laughs> or kale. 
You have to have some substance. <laughs> but we want to increase that. A little bit more about that in a moment. Thank you for your patience as we draw to a close. But the last one, and this is the really important one for Partnership Sunday, is empower. We don't, there, this church family here is filled, filled with wonderful men and women of God that God wants to use, empower and equip to do his work. Not just here in this community, but also out in the community. And Jesus does that. Jesus does a deep work in this lady's life. And you can read the rest of her story when you get home. But let me tell you what happens in the end. She leaves her water jar. She forgets the reason she even went to the well. She runs into the town and she tells everybody in the town, come and meet a man that told me everything I ever did. Come and meet this Jesus. And it says that they all believed. Talk about an anointing. That's the kind of, I believe that we can all be like that empowered to invite people to Christ. She runs into the town and they come out, they spend two days with Jesus and they say, we no longer believe simply because of what she has told us. We now believe because we have met you ourselves. But it begins with men and women of God telling everybody about Jesus. We have the easiest sometimes task in the world. All you have to do is go and tell everybody what's happened on the inside of you and why you love Jesus. Come and meet a man. And so our heart here is we, we don't want people just to connect. We don't want you just to, to be enlightened and to merely grow, but that what God works in, you would be empowered and equipped and trained. And so today we ask the question, well, okay, how can we increase the empowerment section? So that's where we're at for Partnership Sunday. Uh, Partnership Sundays are going to become more regular, maybe two, uh, maybe three times a year. And what we want to use Partnership Sundays for is to continually and urge and encourage people to move along in their journey. If you've been here for a few weeks, if you've been here for a few months and, and you've met Christ or you've come from a, a, another church family somewhere and, and you've come along and you said, you know what, I, I'm engaged and I'm connected and maybe you want to plug into Alpha, maybe you want to get into our life groups and, and go deeper with God. And so we want to continuously move people forward. But today uh, on Partnership Sundays, we also want to release people into empowerment. R- recently, I read Isaiah 54 and I didn't want this morning to be all about Isaiah 54. But Isaiah 54 comes after the Messianic prophecy about Christ in Isaiah 53. And if you don't weep through Isaiah 53, then read it a few more times. What happened to Christ? But there is great hope. And the prophecy in Isaiah 54 is to a barren Israel who were who had been in exile. We're talking about Isaiah and the ten northern tribes at the moment. And although they had suffered, and although they were a distance from God, uh, it's, the Messianic prophecies were bringing hope for a future. And here's what God said to that community. Here's what God said to Israel. Enlarge your tent pegs. And here's what God is saying. Make room for me to move. And here's why. It's actually a prophecy for Christ, but you need to enlarge your tent pegs. You need to make room. Why? Because I'm bringing heaps of people into the family. Turns out it was the Gentiles. 
But you need to make room and move the tent pegs. And so here, uh, part of Partnership Sunday, and it's not just today, we're gonna, we've got some clipboards out the back that I'll just uh, talk about in a moment, but we're going to leave them out there for a few weeks, asking you to prayerfully consider, how can I get involved? We're asking you to bloom where you're planted. Uh, I remember uh, my foster mum, she's a, she's a dear lady, but uh, her and a group of people love these pot plants. Do you know, you can put an orange tree in a pot plant and it probably won't get any bigger than that. But if you take that orange tree out of the pot plant and plant it in the soil, it can then flourish and grow. And so we're asking everybody to say, you know what, I no longer want to be a pot plant Christian. I want God to plant me here so I can grow and flourish and we can see the fruit of the Holy Spirit on your life. That's what Partnership Sunday is about. That's what we're asking today. And we see this for those, for the two or three of you, thank you that put up with my writing long enough to, to read the pastor's comments. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about Stephen. And you know what? If you read about Stephen in Acts chapter 6, Stephen, God's call on Stephen's life was not to wait tables for widows. Stephen, it says, was a man full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. And he was asked to wait tables and widows and he just said, I'm going to bloom right where God's planted me. And he started ministering to people. And the next thing you know, he's testifying, he becomes the first martyr. God's call in his life was not to wait tables, but he just said, you know what, I'm going to get off the bench. And and I'm struggling to use football analogies today because I'm in mourning, but... (laughs) No Christian has been called to sit on the bench. Christianity is not a spectator sport where you sit in the crowd and watch a small group of everybody else doing it. Christianity, and today our call is, come out of the crowd, come off the bench and get involved. And so we're going to increase the opportunities as time goes on. We've started with a number of opportunities uh, that you can, there's some clipboards out the back. So today we're asking you to consider two, two things. First thing, if today is the day that you say, I want to be planted here. God, take me out of the pot plant, plant me in the soil of the rock so that I can grow and flourish. Maybe just as a transaction between you and God today, you come down and you sign... Uh, this is our partnership church members thing. There's no commitment here. There's no paperwork. Uh, the CIA are not going to come and find you. Uh, we're not going to use your details for anything else. But this is just a transaction between you and God where you say, you know what, Lord, here I am, just like Stephen. Lord, I'm making a decision. I want to bloom where I'm planted. Maybe you've signed it before. You're welcome to sign it again. Uh, maybe you've never signed it. And if you don't sign it today, that's still okay. Maybe you've journeyed with us for a, a, a fair while now and maybe you are thinking you would like to consider membership and I have to talk about the difference today. Partnership Sunday, there's no forms to fill out. This is you saying to God and, and to us, you know, here, here I am. Membership is different. Membership is membership to an association. But we want to increase the membership basis here for one reason. For those that have journeyed with us, you'll know that we recently split 
from A to A. And the problems that eventuated in the denomination of A to A can all be traced back to one problem. They were a very big organisation that had six members. They had six members, six people had the power, six people had the vote, and we had a minority making major decisions. And it became very problematic. And I appreciate sometimes that democracy can be a little bit messy too sometimes, but our heart with membership is to transfer that power to the people. This is not my church. This is not the board's church or the elders' church. This is not a... We are affiliated with another denomination, which I'll discuss at the AGM for those that have questions, but we're not... uh, This is your church. This is our family and our community, and we want you guys to have the say in the big decisions. And so that's simply a process of applying. There are some membership forms, if that's you. Uh, For those that have journeyed with us for some time, if you think, you know what, uh, I would like to take that step, then that's a step you can take that is finalised at the AGM. Maybe you're sitting here today saying, you know what, I just want to get involved. We've got a number of clipboards out the back with some headings and a leader. And I I just want to help you. Uh, Those... Uh, departments or the ministries that we want people to consider serving in. One of them is we want to expand the care team. Uh, Another one is we want to expand our prayer ministry. Maybe you're sitting here saying, you know what, Uh, I I don't know what gifts and skills I have, but I know I can pray. Uh, And so we want to increase the prayer ministry here. Uh, We want to build an alpha team. By, By next year, we want uh, to run Alpha, but we would love a team that is running Alpha. Maybe you say, you know what? Yeah, I could, I could be part of a team that's hosting the the Alpha nights and and getting involved in the discussion groups. Maybe you want to get involved in Kids Rock. We need uh, more people to help us out in Kids Rock. And so uh, there's also uh, one clipboard there, which is I think has got your name on it, Liz, which is the suggested ministries. Maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? All of these are wonderful, but I can see a gap here. That's what happened in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, some people come to the apostles and say, people are falling through the cap cracks, there's a gap. If that's you, then please write it down. What will happen if you write your name there? Somebody will be in contact later on. But we're asking today whether you want to get involved and we want to make those opportunities for people to get involved where they can. We've got some coffee, we've got some morning tea, and we've got some fellowship. If you've got any questions, uh, come and see myself. Or if you've got any complaints, come and see Pastor Liz. <laughs> but let's pray. Father, I thank you that we are a really spiritual church and most people will be here tonight. <laughs> And so, Father, I just thank you for the journey that you've invited every one of us on. Lord, we're on a journey and we love it. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's confronting. Most of the time it's a glorious journey where we grow deeper in our knowledge of you. And so, Lord, help us to individually grow in that journey, but help us to help others, Lord. Help us to help others 
on their journey, we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.